Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back. It's the Advertising Show. Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. As with all shows, we pack them with really great guests. And uh, this one is a co-author of a book called Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. Dan Heath is his name. Out of Raleigh, North Carolina, Brad, his bio says he has adopted Austin, Texas as his hometown. Hmm. Uh, Can't blame him. That's a great town to to adopt, basically. Uh, He is a consultant at Duke Corporate Education, where he's worked with an executive education program with clients such as Microsoft and Walmart and Dow. And we'll learn more about Dan and actually talk to him for a few segments this hour on The Advertising Show. So how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, and uh, I know you, we've had strange weather uh, impacting uh, uh, the uh, continental United States. And, you strange know, is an understatement, Brad. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, bundle up, get next to your iPod or your uh, your MP3 player device, whatever it might be, and uh, sit back and relax and enjoy yourself. Ray, I've got two surprises for you. Number one, so I thought happy. this was... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 400,000 teenagers are Muslim girls here in the United States. 400,000, that's surprise number one. Number right, two right. is that uh, they now have their very own magazine, Muslim Girl, available by subscription and on newsstands, uh, says its readers are highly desirable from the from an economic perspective. Fox Broadcasting is one of the major advertisers for the first issue. The uh, editor-in-chief says that it is a good fit for the right clothing and makeup brands, and like the Hispanic market five years ago, it's poised to... Uh, to become a major breakout. So while most magazines uh, struggle, uh-huh. we have a new one called Muslim Girl. So look for it on a newsstand near you. Okay. Or underneath the burqa. And now, if we <laughs> and now we have to worry about translating stuff into Muslim now. And see if well, I think like it, I think I these Spanish young was tough enough. No, I think the <laughs> I think these young teenagers are, are going to be having it in English, but culturally, I would imagine. Culturally, exactly reflect. is what I'm talking yeah. about, yeah. yeah. Okay, who was the first couple to be shown in bed on primetime TV? Uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mrs. Van Dyke. Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Flintstone, my goodness. Exactly. Now, this is something, if you're into print or something, and it depends on what demo you're looking at, men can read smaller print than women can. Okay, that's for newspaper, as, mm-hmm. if, you, as if we thought about that as being important and women can hear better women can hear better if they can hear what you don't do basically <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's where they came up with the uh the joke about you know doing something and or you'll turn to stone or seeing something or you're, you'll turn to, turn stone. to stone that's quite possible there's From a the lot of things this is a list of sayings that i got uh, earlier this week it's kind of funny you know what color coca-cola used to be originally hmm. it used to be green Hmm, I'm glad they <laughs> no, switched. I'm glad they switched. And this is one being dog people here, Brad. Huh? How much does it cost to raise a medium-sized dog? And note that we each have three to mm-hmm. the age of 11. Do you know how much it costs? Oh, I'm going to say $20,000. Well, you're overestimating, but still, that's scary. $16,400. You don't know my wife. Mm, yeah, that's right. Well, it probably is upwards of twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. Here's one here because we both have hair. I wonder if Dan does. Do you, do you have a picture there of Dan? Well, let's let's look here. Okay. Uh, we don't want yeah, to he has hair. He has hair. He, good. He's good. Yeah. Did you know that intelligent people have more zinc and copper in their hair? 
intelligent people. They have more zinc and copper in their hair. I guess we got a lot of that. And bald hmm. people, what do they do? Are they stupid? They're zincless. <laughs> anyway, those are silly things. So, uh, where are you getting that? Where did you find that content? I'll forward it to you. It's uh, it was just a, one of those things that you uh, says forward funny. <laughs> Some interesting tidbits. So basically, yeah. uh, this is not well. Let's see. No, you, you don't live within 50 miles of your hometown, do you? Half mm-hmm. of Americans do. This is this is more turning into the instead of the advertising show, it's the. Uh, uh, what would it be? The uh, Jeopardy show or something. That, that's an interesting uh, stat you just said. 50% of America. all Americans live within 50-mile radius of their own. Huh. Yeah, which is I not thought, true for either of us. No, and I thought our our society was more mobile than that. Uh, but, uh, hmm. Yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Here's one for the beer folks, too. This is many years ago in England. Pub frequenters had a, a whistle baked into the rim or handle of their ceramic cups. A whistle. And when they needed a refill, they used to whistle, use the whistle to get some service. That is where the phrase, wet your whistle, came from. Well, you and I, we've drank before in bars, but when we whistle, usually it has something to do with a bunch of $1 bills in front of us. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Got to stay out of those bars, Brad. That's true. But a Smittics is good anyway. (laughs) Dan uh, Dan Heath is uh, coming up here shortly on the advertising show. Uh, It's it's a book. It's called uh, Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. It's going to be interesting to talk to Dan. Uh, who hails from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, a uh, graduate of UT, which makes him, in my book, one heck of a nice guy. Okay. Yeah. His older brother, Chip, could not be on the show today. Apparently, Chip is out doing what he always does, which is just, you know, being a bum. Traveling and because around. Chip is not on the show, we can tell you anything we want. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Most salespeople reduce themselves to joke tellers, or should I say joke retellers, or should I say bad joke retellers. Joke telling is dangerous and usually not very funny. First of all, most jokes are demeaning to one person or another. Second of all, jokes sound contrived, almost like you're trying too hard, you know, kind of like in your sales presentation. And worst of all, if the customer has heard the joke before, makes you look like a complete idiot, especially at the end when you're the only one laughing. Stories, on the other hand, are genuine. They tell about experience. They can use self-effacing humor, and they're engaging. Oftentimes, when you tell a story, it makes the prospect think of their own story, and they'll engage you back. Storytelling is also effective in your sales presentation when you're getting the prospect to relate to your product or your service. Stories will establish your credibility when you tell about others who have successfully used what you're trying to sell. So let's see. Jokes make you look like an idiot. Stories make you look like a winner. Your choice. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer. 
reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Nothing like cutting to the chase. That's Jeffrey Gittimer here on the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings along with Brad Forsyth and just a few moments away from uh, bringing on uh, Dan Heath. Author of the book, co-author, Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. What is that you have there? Well, uh, you know, you talked about uh, hair and how we have it and some don't, and that little piece you had didn't really apply to us. Here's another one that doesn't apply. According to San Francisco company 50-plus research with focuses on exclusively on baby boomers in the senior market, chocolate, according to the study, is more important than sex. Like I said, it doesn't pertain to you and I. In a recent <laughs> survey, 50-plus uh, research uh, asked over 500 boomers and, and seniors that uh, what would be the hardest thing to give up, and reading was the hardest to give up, followed by chocolates, and then sex came in third. Sex came in third. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? Reading about sex while eating chocolate, that came in fourth or something <laughs> like that. We've got Dan Heath on the way on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth next. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Mm. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new Treka. Like we said. Great spot. Energizer, classic spot on the advertising show. Rachel and Brad Forsyth, our special guest, Dan Heath. Book is called Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. Dan is, uh, gosh, uh, previously a researcher and case writer at Harvard Business School. He has an MBA from Harvard, a BA in the Plan to Honors program of UT Austin, co-founder of ThinkWell, an innovative new media company that publishes textbooks embodying many of the principles of stickiness. Matter of fact, when you pick the book up, it's hard to put it down because it sticks to your hands. Out of Raleigh, North Carolina, Dan Heath, welcome to the Advertising Show. Good to have you here. Hey, thanks for, so much for having me. Yeah, and you know, I got to hand it to uh, Random House and whoever came up with the uh, book cover design with the uh, uh, duct tape uh, idea there across the words uh, two as part of the uh, title. What a great idea. And the other thing I, that jumped out at me was the fact that on the back cover of this uh, of this book, you do not see your proverbial uh, praise for what sticks. Instead, it mentions uh, what you'll find on various pages. So uh, uh, hats off to Random House or whoever had uh, involvement in doing something a little different for a change. I found, Dan, that uh, Made to Stick was certainly a fascinating, and, and I would call it a provocative read. I'm curious. Uh, please tell us what prompted two brothers to team up to write this book. Well, you know, my brother and I have been uh, studying, exploring ideas for a long time in, in, in different realms. Uh, he's an academic. He's a professor at Stanford Business School. And, and he's done a lot of very peculiar research, um, a lot of research studying why urban legends propagate, for instance. He actually did a study one time uh, figuring out how the emotion of disgust factors into the success of an urban legend. Uh, and meanwhile, I was coming at it from more, from more of the education side, uh, I started a, a textbook company, as you mentioned, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about how do you communicate a basic concept of biology or calculus or government to, uh, to a college student. And, and so we, we kind of came at the problem of, of sticky ideas from, from different arenas, but, uh, but felt like we had some things to say and that, that we could identify the traits that make ideas sticky and, and point those out to people so they could use them for their own ideas. Yeah, and I must tell you, you've gotten a lot of publicity. I don't know if that's because you have the textbook uh, background and you know how to generate publicity, or uh, I'd like to think that, you know, having read your book, 
it's it's certainly an interesting read and and uh, it's really getting the attention of the industry. What gives this book heft is the tremendous amount of social science research that delved into how great ideas are designed and and why they stick, so to speak. Share with our listeners some of the research you did, uh, Dan, in in preparation for uh, writing this book. Well, my brother and I looked at uh, uh, 2,500 years' worth of ideas, uh, ranging from Aesop's fables to modern-day urban legends to corporate strategies to uh, marketing campaigns, and, and, and also surveyed a lot of the literature, uh, especially psychological research on why we remember certain kinds of ideas. Uh, we looked at sociology. We looked at folklore research. Uh, and, and so... You know, we were we were plucking from a lot of different disciplines uh, and trying to synthesize something new, which is a focus on how successful ideas are built. You know, I, I think in our society we have the illusion that if, if you've got a great idea, that's 90% of the battle, and that the communication part will take care of itself. In uh, our book says it's not quite that easy. Uh, but the good news is there are reliable principles that you can use to make your ideas stick together. So, so define for us, if you would, uh, how, what, how do you define a winning idea, what you guys call an idea that is sticky? Uh, a sticky idea is three things. It's, it's understood, which can be a challenge if you've got a diverse audience to make sure everybody understands it the same way. Uh, it's remembered long after the point when you communicated it, and it changes something. It changes your opinion or your behavior or your values. And so those are the three elements of stickiness that we, we use in our book. So are any, uh, any favorite examples you'd like to uh, illustrate to, uh, or to share to help illustrate the uh, sticky idea concept? Well, one of my favorite examples from the advertising world is the Jared campaign. Uh, what some of your listeners may not remember is before the Jared campaign launched, there was a campaign with almost an identical message. Uh, just a different creative, and it was called Seven Under Six. And what that meant was that we have seven sandwiches under six grams of fat. Mm-hmm. Same message, right? It's, it's promoting a line of healthy subs, uh, and it was mediocre. It's, uh, it did okay, not great. Jared launches, and within a week, he's on Oprah, which is, which is a pretty good sign that your message has stuck. Yeah, really. Um, so, so that's fascinating to me that you've got this anecdote about one fat college student from Indiana that just demolishes an alternative creative campaign, seven under six, which in some ways is more comprehensive and accurate. You know, you actually learn more from seven under six than you do from Jared, and yet Jared has stickiness. And the reason is a couple of things. Number one, it's a story, and we're all wired to remember stories. We think in stories. It's incredibly concrete. Like, you can probably remember the photos of Jared holding up those ginormous pants that are like eight feet wide that he used to fit in. And and that's the kind of imagery that it's easy for us to remember and something that's utterly lacked by seven under six. What's there to wrap your mind around with that campaign? So do you think the uh, the same idea, the same concept uh, would have worked with, uh, let's say we switched the spokespeople and it was uh, a female instead of a male, does it, I mean, how much was it Jared delivering the message and actually his experience and being able to point to uh, to what it was that, uh, that he did to in eating these Subway sandwiches and so forth? I think that's a very interesting question. I think the essential quality of Jared 
was his every manness. Um, and, and so I think that he probably could have been replaced by someone else who had that same quality of being someone that we could identify with. He just seems like an average guy. Uh, and in fact, the Jared story is what my brother and I call a challenge plot, which is a type of story that involves a protagonist who overcomes you know, a, a giant obstacle uh, and eventually triumphs. Uh, it's the same plot, by the way, that you find with David and Goliath, the challenge plot. Sea uh, Biscuit, the challenge plot. Pretty much any action movie you go see is a challenge plot. Um, and you know, in, in school we were taught the fundamental conflicts uh, in stories are you know man versus man, man versus machine, man versus nature. Jared was uh, man versus his own belly, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and the fact that he triumphs. I think it carries a kind of emotional resonance um, that, that's inspiring to people who aren't overweight, who don't like Subway. Um, There's sort of uh, a victory that we can um, that we can empathize with. In, any thoughts about uh, when Subway decided to to give uh, Jared a rest and go in another direction, only to bring Jared back? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? And, and yeah. I think. Um, the, the, the current campaign that uses Jared, I think, has lost its essential zip because right. Jared these days is functioning as a spokesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that what made Jared work was was this dramatic story. Not so much him as a personality, but him as a story of, of victory. Um, so, so I'm a little surprised that they've gone back to the well, to be honest. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It seems to me that uh, losing weight is something that a lot of people want to do. Keeping it off is another matter. And yet Jared has, has been successful in that regard, and I would think it would be obvious to tie that in. He's a real poster uh, child, that's for sure. Yeah, with him continuing to eat these sub Subway sandwiches and continuing to keep his weight down. Maybe put on weight, Brad. I... <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You know, I'll, ne- I'll never forget, and, and it goes to your point about uh, publicity and the, and the campaign for Subway. One of the first uh, uh, funnies that I heard about uh, Jared was, I guess, Jay Leno saying uh, he told the story to the audience because not everyone knew the story about Jared. And they said, he said, what could this guy have been eating before in order to eat nothing but Subway sandwiches and lose weight? I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> it's the advertising show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. Our special guest is Dan Heath, co-author with his lazy brother, Chip, who probably had nothing to do with the book. No, I'm kidding. Made to stick, why some ideas survive and others die. We've got a couple more segments with uh, Dan here on the advertising show. Being powered by Shippel.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. It's an incredible uh, web marketing machine. Check it out. It's a special feature called Tendency. You can click on there, too, and go talk to the folks at uh, Shibble. Back with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on the Advertising Show with more. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here with our special guest, uh, Dan Heath, the co-author of Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. You know, speaking of bringing people b- uh, back, Brad, mm-hmm. the, uh, have you seen the Orville Redenbacher oh, yeah. redo where they bring right. the man back and they mm-hmm. dress him up and it's like, 
What is that all about? I have smell. I have smell a vision, and it smells like formaldehyde in my living room when you he comes on. You would think so, yeah. Anyway. It's terrible. Well, good thing Dan doesn't. Dan, welcome back to the advertising show. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and, and if you're just joining us, and I don't know why you would be, but, uh, you know, Dan mentioned earlier, last segment, that uh, the three uh, components that all sticky ideas have are that it is uh, understood, that it's remembered, and that it changes something. And I think if you're a creator of advertising, you certainly want to get your hands on this book, uh, Made to Stick by Random House, and uh, and, our, and one of the uh, co-authors, our guest today. You know, uh, Dan, in your book, you discuss six traits common to all sticky ideas, which is helpful in allowing readers to quickly identify, of course, or conceive uh, sticky ideas. And I think it's... Uh, probably your textbook background that uh, allows this book to be so well uh, composed and laid out. Uh, elaborate, if you would, uh, on any one of a number of these six traits that you discuss in your book. Well, so the, uh, the first two traits are that uh, a sticky idea is simple and it's unexpected. And, and simple is the hard one, to be honest. Simple is the one you spend months in meetings arguing about with clients and figuring out exactly what your core message is going to be. Uh, and that's not one where my brother and I are going to add a lot of value, to be honest. You, it's, a, it's a lot of meetings, a lot of thinking about strategy and differentiation. Once you've got your core idea, then the second trait is unexpectedness. And what unexpectedness says is you have to be able to grab the attention of your audience. And the way to do that is to somehow violate their expectations, to break a pattern, to, to do something that surprises them. And so let me give you two examples. Um, sure. One, one that's useful unexpectedness and one that's not useful. Uh, the not useful unexpectedness, if you think back to the dot-com TV ads, you know, the, during the Super Bowl there would always be these ads and, and there would always be a monkey you know, beating on some drums. Or uh, I remember this one ad where there was a pack of ravenous wolves that was chasing around a marching band. <laughs> and I have no idea what that was an ad for. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the danger of surprise, is that surprise is incredibly sticky. To this day, I remember that image, and I think it's, it, it's quite funny, right. quite memorable. I have no idea what it was for, yeah. which, of mm-hmm. course, is, is a problem. Uh, now, the flip side of that is think about the Jetta campaign that's running right now, where you think you're seeing a normal car commercial. There's some good-looking yuppies in a car. They're having intelligent banter, and boom, you know, five seconds before the ad ends, there's a car crash. It comes out of nowhere. I, I guarantee the first time you saw that, yeah. it was riveting. Yeah. Now, that's the prize that uses your attention to an end that's desired by the company. Because the message there is the jet is a safe car, and you're going to need safety features at precisely the moment when you expect it the least. So, you know, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you, you know, what, what I hear coming through loud and clear here is really the the term relevance, I think, could be uh, could be uh, front and center here. And, and, you know, when you mentioned about the dot-com uh, spots back in the, the days of 2000 and 2001, I think it's a good example of the financial uh, crowd, the VCs, getting involved in the marketing field. And that's <laughs> what I think drove a lot of that craziness back then. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about uh, being able to, you know, I don't think anyone sets out to create an ad campaign that does not get attention. But what I hear you saying is that it really needs to be relevant to your message and to to your, I guess, your, your uh, for the lack of a better term, your core, your core offering or your uh, value prop. 
That's exactly right. And, and, and attention is not enough. It's not enough to be funny. It's not enough to be surprising. It's not even enough to be memorable. It has to be memorable and entertaining and funny in the service of the value prop. Uh, and it's not always obvious, by the way, what is unexpected about your message. Like I think about Netflix. And when Netflix first launched, it, it was very much um, promoting its selection. You know, the, uh, the thousands, uh, if not hundreds of thousands of titles that you could choose from. Uh, it wasn't until much later that they caught on that one of their primary uh, elements uh, uh, that, that attracted people was no late fees. Because people were sick and tired of paying Blockbuster, you know, 10 bucks here, 10 bucks yeah, there, and really. late fees. And I think the people at Netflix probably took that for granted. Because of the way their model works, they probably thought it was, it was duh. Well, of course, there are no late fees. You can only have two out at once, so how could there ever be a late fee? But lately, you've noticed in the past year or two, they've started to make that one of, one of the primary uh, elements that they advertise. Because the idea of a video rental service without late fees is surprising. It catches people's interest, and it's, it's very effective for the mainstream. Yeah, and, you know, they say if you want to be a part of the future, help invent it. And I think that's a, a good example. And another, uh, as we're on to cute little sayings, I heard uh, Henry Ford was quoted as saying that if I would have asked my customers what they wanted before I created Ford Motor Company, they would have said a faster horse. Right. You know, so not always do the consumers uh, know really what's, uh, you know, what's best for them. It takes uh, innovation and so forth. Uh, Ray, what do we have? About a minute about left? 30 seconds here. 30 so, seconds. Uh, tell us what we're going to talk about next. Uh, yeah, why don't we do the old proverbial tease? Well, next uh, segment, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff from what sticks because we have the author. Yeah, at least half of the half of the author. And yeah, again, the better about, half. About Chip, about Chip. I just I just don't know about the guy. You know, really kind of sad. Chip, we're making fun of you, but we love you anyway, even though we don't know you. Dan Heath is our special guest, co-author, made to stick. Why some ideas survive and others die. And we're going to find out more about the book and about what Dan does here in just a moment. So stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Well, hello, boy. Now, what do you say? Let's make with the popcorn right away. Too much trouble and bother. Yes, indeed. No, Back man, before you had the microwave and you had a panic, we'll get in this classic spot here in The Advertising Show. Ray Schillings, Brad Forsyth, back for one more segment. Dan Heath is uh, out of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, the book is called Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. Dan, do you have a website so folks can find out more about this? We do indeed. It's uh, madetostick.com, and uh, there's a blog there, and, and the first chapter of the book is also there, so you can uh, try before you buy. Wonderful. Hey, good deal. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned uh, a few of the six traits common to all sticky ideas. Keep it simple and uh, and and keep it unexpected, of course. And there are others, and you'll have to buy the book to to learn more about these. But uh, uh, all all worthy considerations of creating some some uh, really uh, you know focused and and I think uh, advertising that is founded in not opinion, which so much is today, but founded in I think great uh, research and logic here. I, I was going to ask if there is any one uh, most common problem that you see out there with ideas and concepts that don't include the six necessary traits that we touched upon a few. But I think instead of uh, one most common problem, it might I might need to say problems, plural. Well, one problem I see a lot of is 
and, and I think this is particularly true in, in the B2B world, is, is we're used to thinking about consumer products uh, in emotional terms. And, and, and CPG advertisers know full well that, you know, you sell fabric softener with emotional appeals. You sell, um, you know, soda with emotional appeals. But the people who are in the business world selling to other businesses, we tend to assume that the emotional stuff ends in the business world. And I think that's a big mistake. Uh, and one campaign I saw recently that corrected this was, was a Microsoft campaign in the U.K., and, and traditionally, I think Microsoft has been just as bad as everyone else at this and pitching software on the basis of, you know, tables of features and comparisons of attributes. Uh, but recently, they did some market research and found out that the developers that they were selling the software package to considered themselves creative people. That was part of their uh, self-definition, part of their identity. And so they thought, well, let's stop, you know, shilling product attributes of these people and let's treat them like the creatives that they believe themselves to be. And so they launched a campaign about how the Microsoft software was an enabler to the spark of the creative process. And so they, they actually had a direct mail campaign with, with a match on the cover and inside it was ignited and they showed how the product could, could facilitate, you know, great creative thinking. And I think that's a great example of how, you know, emotion is really a part of any product or service offering, um, not just consumer, um, not just personal products, but we're still people in the work world. You know, that's such a, a good point. You know, it's it's been often said in the advertising business, uh, consumers buy with their head and their heart, and yet I think a lot of B2B advertising, and it doesn't take a genius to, to thumb through a trade publication and see some extremely boring wasteful advertising because I think the mindset is is that everyone's buying uh, business uh, services and therefore they're marketing uh, business services with purely a, a head consideration and not a heart consideration. And I think that's an extremely good point, Don. Dan. Uh, the sticky ideas, I'm, I'm curious, do you feel that sticky ideas require big budgets and big names? Or, or if you're a smaller advertiser, how could you maybe uh, apply some of these same ideas I think sticky ideas are actually an equalizer against big budgets. Uh, in fact, in the book, we talk a lot about uh, ideas that have no resources behind them that stick, like urban legends. I mean, we all know a whole you know menu of urban legends, like the kidney thieves urban legend, and you only use 10% of your brain, and the Kentucky Fried Rat, and all kinds of other good ones. <laughs> uh, and these are ideas that just propagate on their own merits. Uh, there's no ad budgets, no PR firms, no one behind them. And so, you know, the point we're trying to make with our book is that a well-constructed idea will stick on its own. You don't need a thousand repetitions. Uh, you just need to, uh, to put some real careful thought into the way you communicate the message you're trying to get across. Yeah, may, regardless of your budget, maybe you need to spend a little more time with your messaging because your budget is your budget. So uh, why not make a, a best effort there? You, you know, you touch, you're touching on some of the... Uh, uh, roadblocks and so forth to engineering sticky messages. And one that sounded particularly uh, ominous to me was the curse of knowledge that you referenced. So share with us, how can knowledge be a curse? In about 30 seconds, if you can, Dan. Uh, the curse of knowledge is the great archvillain of our book. And what it says is that the more you know about something, the harder it is for you to imagine what it's like not to know it. And so the effect is that because you know so much and have so much expertise, it becomes harder for you to share in a clear way 
what you know. And, and the only way to avoid that cycle is just to translate your ideas into concrete terms, into stories, into things that anyone can understand. It's a good note to end on, Dan. I wish you the best with your book and your brother, too, Chip. It's called Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. It's available right now. Go get it and read it and give it to somebody, too. We'll be back in just a moment with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Clean, family-oriented show, so consequently, one of our sponsors is Fab. No, just kidding. We are uh, here in 2007 and uh, already into the month of February. It's just absolutely amazing how quickly it's flying here. Mm-hmm. And uh, great uh, talking to Dan Heath along with his brother Chip. Uh, made to stick, why some ideas survive and others die. I uh, hope you get a chance to check out the book. But Brad, living here in 2007... Here's the things that you do that you wouldn't uh, think about twice. You accidentally enter your PIN number in the microwave. Mm. You haven't played solitaire with real cards in years. How true. You have a list of 15 people's or 15 phone numbers to reach your family of three. That's true. Uh, you've done this. Maybe you email the person who works at the desk next to you. Well, not necessarily oh, yeah. so, but it's true. Your reason for not staying in touch with friends and family is they don't have email addresses. Uh, let's <laughs> see, whatever. Oh, every commercial on TV has a website at the bottom of the screen. Well, duh. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm. Now, here's one here, too. Have you ever done this, Brad? You pull into your own driveway and use your cell phone to see if anybody's there to help you carry in the groceries. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, let's see. Depends on what the load is, but sure, why not? Exactly. Uh, let's see. That's about it. I'll, I'll, I'll forward this thing to you. You know, well. r- real quick, I would like to see that real quick story, Ray, uh, along those same lines. Uh, my aunt, uh, probably in her uh, early 80s at this point. Aunt <clears throat> excuse me. Aunt she got, Is that her name? <laughs> Aunt Margie. Aunt Margie, okay. Yes. And uh, so I'm talking with her the other day, and I said, so... You you guys have a computer? And she goes, oh, yeah, we got one a few months ago. I said, do you have email? She goes, hold on a second. And then she hollers down to Uncle Chuck, and then hey, she comes Chuck, back, and she email? goes, yeah, 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 we have email. And I said, why, well, Margie, I need your email address. Oh, well, hold on. She just thought that if you have email, it's like a phone. You know, right, she's like, right. okay, send me one. Okay. So, uh so anyway, it's been kind of interesting uh, sending them email. I said, y- you really got to hit that reply button instead of calling me <laughs> to let me know that you got the email. Well, it's, they have, you, they have you blocked, Brad. Okay. No, no. It happens. You know, you've had that happen before. They're just, they're just new enough to email where they probably aren't getting any spam. Nobody knows about them. They're just sitting there, you know. Why don't we give out her email address on the yeah. air? And have uh, have everybody write to Aunt Margie. That's I mean, a great idea. Because maybe <laughs> and, and Uncle Chuck is that what you said his name was? Yeah, Uncle uh-huh. Chuck. What a nice right. name. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Matt Weinstein. That's another nice name, right? Yeah. Matt Weinstein, author of Gently Down the Stream. Merrily, merrily. Four uh, four unforgettable keys to success. And we've got uh, Matt coming up uh, next week on the advertising show. Right? Yeah. Talk about. Yeah, that. and we had we had him scheduled for for uh, December and had a had a little. Uh, issue to, to reschedule him because i got to tell you ray the the book uh, uh gently down the stream it's just what you think it is it's it goes along the lines of the uh 
a little nursery rhyme, but there's a whole bunch of great stuff in that book. And I got to tell you, I, I was very impressed with it. And I know you were as well, Ray, and really looking forward to that interview. Very good. Here's something else we can look forward to right now. If I just move this audio over just a little bit, it's uh, Patrick Meyer on the advertising show. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. If you are a progressive marketer in your office on the wall should be a poster of Richard Branson. He is the most innovative, most break-the-rules marketer ever. Today I'm going to talk to you about another Richard Branson break-the-rules move. It's called Virgin Vines. Imagine a bottle that on the front says Virgin Vines, and underneath it in small print says Dare To, dot, 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 over. You flip it over, and in the back it says Dare To, enjoy the wine without commenting on hints of lavender or honeydew or perfecting your swirl, sniff, slurp action. Virgin Vines believes wine should be more about loving every sip. Drop the hints of elderberry chit-chat and pitch the food pairing guide. Simply drink this cool, crisp white with something or someone you find delicious. P.S. If you feel the need to describe this wine as tight with great austerity, we suggest you lie down until the feeling passes. My friends, no one's ever done this before when it comes to wine marketing. Another piece of Virgin Vines is they have a twist-off cap. But the way they've positioned it, it's not a negative, although those people in the know know that there's nothing wrong with a twist-off cap. But they found in their research that something like 68% of people don't have a corkscrew at home, so they've actually highlighted the twist-off as a positive. But what they're really trying to do is to drive penetration of wine by bringing new people who don't have corkscrews to enjoy this wine in a simple way. A pretty complex category made simple. So listen to what Branson's got going on here. He's coming in with the right brand, with brand imagery, but also an attractive value. He's doing it in a simple way that fits for those people who do not know wine. So he's simplifying a problem. And he's doing it in a way that's totally virgin and builds off the virgin equity. So the message to the advertising and marketing world should be a little bit of Branson should be in everything that we do. Closer to the consumer, breaking the rules, coming forward with a new solution. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember... The marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. That's Patrick Meyer. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Check out The Advertising Show website and uh, tell your friends about it, too. Share it with a friend. It's a lot of good stuff up there. There's a lot of great interviews and uh, more to come as we uh, talked about uh, Matt Weinstein joining us, author of Gently Down the Stream, Four Unforgettable Keys to Success. Keep having it only for Brad, it keeps it nice and simple, you know? Well, that's true. And, Those and, have a hard time counting to five. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And while we're throwing out uh, uh, URLs and so forth, madetostick.com for today's guest. Uh, learn more about the uh, book and as well as read a uh, sample chapter of uh, Dan Heath's book and also see a picture of, I'm sure, Dan and Chip. And you'll see Chip's picture, who's the guy that didn't show up today. And you'll yeah. see Dan, who was our guest. Chip is in jail, actually. He is. But, but, uh, actually, Dan didn't I didn't want to say anything about that. He, actually, he told me off the air that uh, Chip was actually he's he's in the work release program, so oh, yeah. he had that ankle bracelet on that kept him from getting together with him to c get in that same room because he's off uh, in another building. So <laughs> he's in another building. Okay, yeah. well that's good. So anyway, best of luck to Dan with the book. Made to stick. Why some ideas survive. And others die. So hope you had a good time enjoying the advertising show today with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We've got uh, more for you next week, as you said, uh, with Matt Weinstein finally getting Matt on the show. Good deal. And it'll be a great, uh, great interview as well. 
So, what can we talk about here for 40 seconds or so? Do you have well, anything there? You know, I don't know about you, but I think great things are going to happen in 07, and I'm looking uh, for 07 to be a great year, and uh, I sense the same for you, Ray. Absolutely. It's an incredible start to the year. It was a great year for, for us last year as well, so uh, I'm ready to rock and roll here. And so is the advertising show, and we hope you make it a part of your, uh, your weekly routine, just like kind of flossing your teeth, you know? Check out the advertising show once a week. Crush out a flush your teeth more often, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Advertising show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Our good friends there. You can visit them online at adage.com with Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth. We'll see you next week with Matt. The Ray Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. <laughs>